Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke. I'm here again with Bishop Todd Hunter. How are you today? Hey, Ben. Todd? Great. I'm good. To, good. I'm really looking. I've been looking forward to this episode. I mean, not that I don't yes. look forward to all of our episodes and right, especially right. seeing your face, but oh, uh, yeah. today's a topic that I've been thinking about for months. So I'm yes, I'm excited uh, to get into this as well. Um, uh, a couple announcements before we get into it. This actually deals with uh, our topic uh, today as well, both of these things. Um, but if you are a youth pastor or a leader involved in Next Gen Ministry this Easter tide, you are invited to attend a four-part conversation called the Next Gen Fall Planning Guide, Strategies for Value-Based Ministry. It has already started. Uh, it's hosted by the C4SO Next Gen Leadership Team, and uh, the conversations center around C4SO's diocesan values, practical ministry training for the fall. A C4SO leader will join each conversation to share his or her insight and perspective on one of our diocesan values, and the meeting will conclude each week with the Next Generation Leadership Team guiding participants into applicable action in their context. There's a registration link for that in the show notes. Again, that, was, uh, that four-part conversation already has already started, but my assumption is uh, you can join in at any time, and so if you're just hearing about it now, feel free. Uh, second announcement is that we are launching a special quarterly gathering for family and children's ministers. This, uh, the brand new C4SO Family and Children's Ministry Network has created a quarterly Zoom meeting for you uh, to share ideas, best practices, and resources with ministers from C4SO churches across the country. Our first meeting is Wednesday, April 28th at 11 a.m. Central Daylight Time. And you can, again, find the registration link for that uh, Zoom call in this episode's show notes. Um, Well, as you probably know, since you clicked on this episode, today we're talking about mental and emotional health challenges faced specifically by young people, especially during this pandemic. Uh, It's something that um, I've been reading a lot about, and um, I've got teenagers in my house, and so (laughs) I have some personal experience with uh, a lot of these things as well. So to do so today, we're joined today by the Reverend Canon Dr. Jessica Jones and the Reverend Aaron Buttery. Jessica is Canon for Next Generation Discipleship in the Gulf Atlantic Diocese, as well as the Provincial Canon for the ACNA's Next Generation Leadership Initiative, as well as the Associate Academic Dean, Thesis Director, and Professor at the Weber Institute for Worship Studies. And Aaron is the C4SO Next Gen Leader, the Director of Student Ministry at Next Generation Leadership Initiative, as well as an Associate Rector at International Anglican Church in Colorado Springs. Uh, All of you guys have three jobs. Wonderful. Um, (laughs) I relate to that. Um, Jessica, Aaron, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. here. Yeah, Yeah. good to have you guys. Um, Well, Bishop Todd, maybe let's start with you. You kind of instigated this episode. You were like, hey, can we do an episode on youth mental health? Um, uh, Maybe fill us in on the background here. Why did you want to talk about young people and mental health uh, on the podcast? Yeah. Well, you know, most recently, like lots of us, I I assume, um, I've just been reading so much of the... um, like devastation, that's maybe too strong of a word, um, extreme challenges, something that the pandemic has um, been for young people. 
And then I mm-hmm. think even before that, you know, there's been a decade or two of hand wringing about, you know, what tech is doing to kids and special, especially social media, uh, mm-hmm. the bullying, the the assumption of having to create an identity for yourself online, that that sort of thing. And it just feels like um, the pandemic put a really big spotlight on hmm. uh, a core part of the pandemic that doesn't get talked about that much, you know, in terms of yeah. it, it feels like a distant third or fourth after the pandemic itself, the politics around the pandemic and the economic, you know, realities of the pandemic. So it feels like it's maybe even a fourth or a fifth. But I just have a lot of compassion for yeah. um, parents like yourself, Ben, who are having to deal with children uh, in this time, and for the the children themselves. And so, you know, this the audience today for Jessica and um, Aaron will be, you know, mostly pastors and Christian leaders of various kinds, and some of them will come from really big churches that have we might call sort of professional youth ministries, and I mean that in the best sense of the term. And then we'll have people listening who maybe they're in a church that has no youth or right. or has so few youth that they don't really have a youth program. Hmm. So I've, I'm hoping today that we can talk about this in such a way that um, parents and grandparents and large churches and small church people can just have a two or three takeaways to how to even yeah. how to even engage with this issue. Yeah, it's good. Well, I'm looking forward to it uh, again as a parent of teenagers. Um, and maybe let's start there. Um, and, uh, Jessica, we can maybe start with you. Um, a lot of people, you know, we've just heard those stats that Bishop Todd talked about, you know, the next, that's what we mean when we say next generation, we're talking about young people. Um, they have a higher reporting of mental and emotional health challenges, um, than the general population. Um, and first of all, it might be just interesting to say like, why is this? I don't know if there's reasons for, uh, the, the, the prevalence of them reporting higher levels of mental and emotional health challenges. Sure, sure. And I think anytime you try to identify causation, you have to also consider nature and nurture, right? You can't Mm -hmm. just say it's the time that we live in. You have to also look at parents and how we were raised and how the culture is shifting. And there's a number of variables. So I'm not certain we can answer exactly why, but we can answer a lot of variables that are impacting it. starting with the fact that anxiety is the most common mental health disorder in the U S in general. Mm. Um, so, you know, the the 21st century is the first time that legal addictions have passed illegal addictions. Oh, wow. So we are facing our cultures, not just, um, affecting the youth. It's affecting, it's affecting the parents. It's affecting our leadership. It's affecting everywhere. And they're, they're catching it. Right. So they're then like Bishop Todd said about, um, societal pressure from, especially from tech, you know, studies show that the teenagers between 30 and 40% say that every single time they go online, they feel worse about themselves every single time. But the average time spent per day is four hours. Can you imagine what that toll would be (laughs) if you and I engaged in a single activity for four hours per day that decreased our Mm self-esteem, that made us feel worse about who we are and what we have to offer the world? The, yeah. the pressure that they're under from internal pressures to be perfect and to succeed, from external pressures to be successful and meet their parents' expectations, and the image, you know, that mm. they have to protect is just, it's just severe. Um, yeah. So I yeah. think those all are contributing factors yeah. to, to where we are today. Yeah. 
Um, what can we uh, in the church do to kind of live into the possibility then and challenge of uh, a generation who's willing to have this hard conversation? I don't know if you want to take that one, Aaron. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that for many of us, when we start thinking about um, the next generation or really any generation addressing their mental challenges, mental, emotional health, um, there is a sense that we can uh, feel really tentative about that. We can have a negative perception mm. around that. Um, mm. Oftentimes, that's that's because we might not feel confident in what we can actually do. Um, it might be something that's revealing our own anxiety, our own unhealth, our own sense of brokenness. Mm. And I think it's really important for our churches, our leaders, and our parents especially uh, to be able to recognize that if our young people are reporting higher rates of um, mental health challenges, emotional health challenges, higher rates of anxiety, depression, um, suicidal ideation, that those are Hmm. serious things, but they're also willing to talk about it. This is the first generation Hmm. that we have the majority of the generation willing to have a hard conversation on their own. Our, Our young people, our next generation, one of the great things about them is that they're going to desire and create opportunities to express how they're feeling. Hmm. They're going to want to engage that conversation. And I think in our churches and in our households in particular, for us to create that sense of non-anxious presence, um, that willingness to engage the hard conversation because they're willing to rather than, first feeling like we're somehow not capable, um, mm. somehow afraid. Uh, mm. So that's, that's like maybe the big umbrella response is our young people are willing to have these conversations. And um, that's one of the positive takeaways as I look at these numbers. Um, and then it's about, okay, in, in our homes and in our churches, what are the ways that we can create environments for that conversation to go well, for that conversation Mm. to be safe, um, and for that conversation to produce not only personal health, but also communal health. Yeah. Anything you'd add to that, Jessica? Yeah, I think Aaron's completely correct. And I think that it comes back to discipleship of the whole church. You know, Mm. if if we're going to have, if our young people are willing to have this conversation, which I agree they are, um, I've not found that to be as equally true about their parents. Right. or their grandparents, yeah. or um, the leaders of our churches. Yeah. They're not yeah. willing to engage in the hard conversations. And I'm not certain if it's a matter of, um, you know, a, a thing I hear a lot is, well, let's just focus on Jesus. Okay, <laughs> but they they are living in the culture, yeah. and they need to understand how to deal with the culture in light of their faith and how to deal with their faith in light of the culture. Yeah. And that means that if we're, if you know, if a youth leader is sitting in a youth room having that conversation with a student, that's great, but they don't have nearly as much impact on that student as their parents will and as the pastors will of those parents. So we mm. need to also be having those hard conversations with parents and we need to be guiding them and helping them to be able to have those conversations with their teens, even if they don't know the answers. Yeah. Simply opening the door to the conversation is going to be a healthy step. Yeah, that's really good. Um Maybe related to that, you know, um, some of the stats that um, that um, you sent over uh, before this interview talk about high school students and college students. Fifty one percent of high school students, sixty seven percent of college students report that the future is impossible to plan for. 
Um, and of course, this this was before the pandemic, <laughs> right? Um, and so now that we have this pandemic, this is probably heightened. And so this generation um, kind of exists primarily organized around making these next decisions, right? That feel very, very important, right? What am I going to do with my life? And where am I going to go to college? And, you know, all of those kinds of things. So they're making these educational and vocational decisions. It creates a lot of anxiety, it creates a lot of fear, uh, it creates a lot of stress. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering how, how our age-based and whole church ministries can engage specifically in that challenge as these young people kind of go through these life stages, these planning for the future kinds of activities. Yeah, I'm going to jump into that one real quick here, uh, because I think one of the things that we can encourage in our parents and in our youth pastors, our college pastors, our children's pastors, and in our rectors, with our rectors, is, is identifying the ways that we create paradigms of success that breed mm. mental and emotional unhealth. And I think... So many of us, um, I think about my own kids, like if they were struggling with something, I would at some level probably feel like I failed. And that means I'm going to respond to their struggle in a very different way than if we can switch the paradigm of success to say, if we're willing to have these conversations, that's, that is successful. So functionally in our churches and in our student ministries to say, you know, kind of the, the one of the baselines of success is we all have high functioning kids, and that's the only ones we have. Well, <laughs> that's actually not winning. That's not success. Yeah. Success yeah. is we have young people that are being very real with their challenges, mm. and that that's then we can be um, stepping into that uh, in a way that invites them into health, where we can sit down in the mess with them that actually becomes success in student ministry and with the next generation, mm. finding ways to be missionally present with them and, and turning that idea yeah. of success. That's the first thought I have about that. Yeah. So I hear you saying like to kind of to taking the, the thing, especially the things that we maybe implicitly celebrate, right? Oh, look at this person got into a great college or this person got an A on the test or they've improved as a student. Instead of celebrating those things, um, ex- those are things to celebrate, obviously. But if that's all we celebrate, then right. we miss the opportunity, right? To celebrate this person just got real about their depression. Yes. You know, this person uh, is going to counseling for the first time. And that's a win, right? You know, like that, these are really helpful and important things to be able to tell the truth about where we're at and to kind of muddle through the mess and being able to celebrate that uh, creates a culture where, oh, this is normal and this is good. Okay. It might encourage more people to do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the simple, like if we want like a little practical tip here, um, like build a campfire with your family or with your Mm -hmm. student groups. Like campfires are awesome because everybody leans in. (laughs) <laughs> and you can have that intimate um, conversation. You're gonna, you can have the the challenging conversation of like, what's going well, what's what's going, mm-hmm. what's going less well, like that. Mm. Creating environments where people can lean in, that can yeah. experience intimacy. Uh, you know, a campfire is just one example. There's lots of ways to do that, but yeah. then in that space, um, like being present with the student, not having to respond with a right or a wrong. But asking yes. about their story, yeah. learning about who they are, asking what's it like to be you, and yeah. then not having to like hold up some 
idea or, or framework is what they have to achieve, but yeah. rather invite them into the full personhood of, of, of who they are and how you're, you're honoring them and being with them in that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that uh, campfire. It, I, I feel like you're sharing like, like these secret youth pastor tricks with <laughs> that's us. Totally oh, that's totally one of why them. Camp, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. I'm going to try to get some more of a, some more of them out of you uh, a little bit later. Um, Jessica, anything you'd add to, to that in terms of helping them with these particular challenges? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think I think you're specifically asking, especially in the pandemic, not knowing your future and how to mm-hmm. plan for it. Right. I think Aaron's right. You know, um, what we're talking about is building a certain kind of environment, you know, right. and coming through collective trauma because that's kind of what we've been facing this past year. Right. Um, you know, if you look at literature on trauma and resiliency, um, you'd see that the things that we can offer can come in two different ways: environment, building a specific type of environment while we're in this space. And that's what Aaron's also talking about, but also practical tools along the way that are still useful and they still need to develop. So as far as building environment, there are, you know, um, literature would say there are four things that you should be doing and our churches can be doing this. And that's first of all, keeping them, um, outward focused, you know, how can we be helping others? Hmm. That's keeping that sort of positive, um, capitalizing on our obstacles and turning them into opportunities. You know, so that's one way we can do it. The second is have, making sure that the students have loving caregivers. Do we know their home life? Do we know who's pouring into them? Do we have committed leaders who can who can pour into them? Um, and that goes all the way up through our church and our leadership. Yeah. But uh, also, are we providing calm leadership? Mm. And Aaron mentioned it earlier, a non-anxious presence um, that's able to find a silver lining that's able to be present, that's able to, to take down the anxiety in these situations. And finally, are we keeping our conversation focused on a higher calling, you know, a broader narrative than the narrative that they're currently dealing with and being able to turn the conversation and Aaron's talking about celebrating different kinds of wins, you know, defining success differently. Are we painting the picture for them of what success according to God might look like versus according to culture? Mm. And that might give them a better narrative, turning them from victim to overcomer. Um, You know, if they're, if they're moving toward kingdom wins uh, and kingdom success. And then, and then the second part was practical tools. And so making sure that we're in the waiting, you know, um, and in the, when we're unsure of our future, are we giving them practical tools? Are we helping them develop their identity? Are we talking to them about their own um, narrative? Are we talking to them about um, worldview and um, data consumption, you know, media consumption? Are we talking to them about spiritual rhythms and relationships, uh, whole person health? There are a number of tools that we can be addressing that they will need for the rest of their life, whether or not they know where they're going to go to college whether or not they know whether or not they're going to get married. Those things still need to be happening. And that that needs to be happening from our pulpits too. It's not just yeah. in the youth room um, because a lot of us are facing, we don't know what's next. This year yeah. has changed a lot. Hmm. Um, so I think yeah. those are some practical things that we can be doing as well. Yeah. yeah. I think can if I, just I were... Talk, go ahead. Bishop, oh yeah, go sorry. ahead, Darren. No, go ahead. Well, I, I just want to jump on to what Jessica is saying there because it's, it's so important. Um, the the idea of how we are giving our students opportunities um, to see this in our leaders, but also to see this in our parents, right? Like in, in this pandemic, this has been a society-wide um, traumatic event. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen is not only higher rates of anxiety, um, higher rates of depression, higher rates of suicidal ideation in our, 
in our next generation population, but also in their parents. And so if yeah. we're not going to begin um, inviting health into the lives of our adults in those households, we're going to miss that opportunity to create um, that, that caring, um, healthy center in their lives. And if we as leaders in the church aren't going to be able to articulate the places that we're struggling, the places that resilience yeah. is hard, the place where we feel fragile, uh, that makes it so much more challenging. Um, yeah. But, but I, think, I think we do need to make sure that we're, we're coming back to those parents and realizing that as we engage with them on how to interact with their students, we also need to make sure we're inviting them um, into their own like full embodied health. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually, I experienced that as a parent, like I experienced that as good news for me to be like, it feels a lot easier for me to say, Oh, I don't have to, I don't have to be an expert and give great advice to my kids. All I need to do is deal with my own stuff. Like, uh, I mean, there's more to do than that, but that's a necessary first step. And so if if that's all it's required and that's actually going to open up space for me to be more present to my kids, um, in, in vulnerability and honesty and openness, as you were saying. Um, and actually advice is not that helpful. You know, it's like, well, great. I don't, I don't feel like I have any to give anyway. Um, and so that, that feels like good news to me. It is. It is so good news. It's, it's important for parents to, to feel the permission and the freedom to articulate appropriately what they do know and also to articulate what they do not know. And most parents struggle to engage with almost any topic in which they have a fear that they might be wrong. And yeah. we need to we need to start like releasing that that negative yeah. pressure. Like right. we don't have to be correct as parents to to care for and raise our children um, to know and follow Jesus. Yeah. We just need to we Good. we we don't have to be right. Yep. Sorry, Bishop Todd, you were gonna say something. Well, I was just going to ask a question. <clears throat> if if I were a working rector or if I were um, a youth um, um, minister, I, it feels like there's an obvious question here that we haven't touched on yet. I mean, this is a bit of a caricature, but, you know, normally we would think of the youth group or the youth program, that sort of thing. Um, and when you think about that, it would have normally been talked about in either or thought about in terms of evangelism and or discipleship, right? Like we're trying to help young people come to faith. We're trying to help them grow in faith. Obviously, nothing wrong with that. But this feels like a whole different category. Like if you mm. say mental health <laughs> and then you say catechism, that feels like that should be in one of those books, like what doesn't work here? Like, right? Like which of these two things shouldn't be? Not here? like the other. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so if you think of the normal sort of catechetical, helping people come to faith, grow in faith, again, I'm not in any way criticizing that, but it feels like in the midst of that now has popped up this really different problem that maybe requires, I don't really like this language, I was going to say solution, maybe approach. So what would you guys say about, like this feels, when you say anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, that doesn't sound programmatic. That sounds personal. Mm -hmm. Like, so what would you say to pastors and youth leaders? Like, how do we make this, how do we turn the youth program or the youth group uh, into something that can handle these deeply personal things? Yeah, I'll, I'll speak a little bit to the student ministry setting, the youth group world. Um, I think, I think Bishop Todd, that you, you hit on something that's really important. 
Um, a lot of our student ministries might focus on some kind of catechism, some kind of evangelism, discipleship. Um, and that does not mean that we're actually engaging in catechesis, right? Catechesis is whole person. And it's not... Uh, um, it's not in, merely in, intellectual or cognitive. Or, or spiritual, <laughs> yeah. right? It's not yeah. only engaging in how do we look at the parts of our young people. It's how do we look at the whole of them. And so so talking about um, mental and emotional challenges, distress, and hardship um, across that spectrum, that is catechesis. Like yeah. our scriptures, the gospel we receive, the kingdom we're invited to live into, speak into our whole persons. So um, it is personal. I, there are lots of ways to engage in this. Um, one, uh, one way is to uh, create opportunities to sit with parents and invite them to understand their own mental and emotional health um, and, and to give them resources for those parents to continue learning and to empower them in that way. Similarly, um, one of the things I've found when, when I lead confirmation courses, I make sure that my students and my parents are in the same room not really at the same table, but in the same room. And, and we give them opportunities then to engage with one another around a whole wide range of topics. If we're confirming that the Holy Spirit is at work within us, that also means mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, social, the way that we live as a whole embodied person. And, and so it becomes something that we have to intentionally be mindful of within the programmatic elements that we're doing. And then mm. finally, I try to capture, and I recommend to youth workers, to capture um, kind of a, like a mini season. You know, um, so many of our, our preachers, teachers, youth pastors create sermon series. Um, there's not a thing wrong uh, with, with diving into mental and emotional health uh, in, a, in a very programmatic way. Um, to talk about um, anxiety and assurance, to talk about depression and hope, uh, to talk about self-harm, right? And the idea of being the beloved. And to put those together um, in, a, in a short three-week, you know, weekly conversation, that helps frame the rest of the conversations and the whole of the environment moving forward in those programmatic places to be very personal. Hmm. Uh, and, and so there's, there's lots of ways to do that. And then lastly, uh, and then I, I'm interested to hear what Jessica is going to say, um, but for every youth worker, make sure you have that set of resources ready to go for your local environment. What's the phone number you call when, when a student says they're thinking about suicide? Um, who, who are the, the three to four counselors that you trust to care for your kids? And then what are those resources that if you have a student coming to you and they're engaged, they're, they're struggling mentally, emotionally, because they're considering a topic that's different than what our theology would allow for. How do we, how do we share that space with them and that kind of living out the value of mission and spirit where we don't have to condemn what they're doing, but we can offer them um, people and resources and presence that, that say, we want to be with you in this challenge and in this struggle. So having that list of resources um, at the ready, just like your med kit uh, becomes super important. Yeah. I, I would 
agree with all of that. And, and Bishop, I would say that it is whole person. It is, you know, it's not just information dissemination any longer. And the, the culture that we grew up in, that I grew up in, you know, coming out of Christendom, you know, everyone Hmm. was, it was expected that you'd go to church. It was expected that certain things, you know, were a given and we are no longer there. Yes. And so what worked in our day and the expectations of our, you know, how we were raised are not applicable any longer. And I, I, we are the sum of the narratives that we tell ourselves and that Hmm. other people tell us. And if we enter a space where we feel like our very identity is being threatened as adults, most of the time we can remove ourselves from that. Right. But our youth can't. Hmm. They can't remove them. They're, they don't know how. Yeah. Many times it's in a school. They don't have another option. It's it. They, they don't have places that they can go to 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 stand up and say, that is not accurate. I'm going to remove myself from this and not have to subject, subject myself. I'm so grateful that we did not have the internet when I was in high school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so grateful. Um, so, so I think those things, uh, under, it is whole person. It's a whole person attack on a daily basis from all aspects. Am I good enough? Do I have worth? Do I belong? What is what makes me unique? You know, Gen Z is individualistic, and they they're looking to stand out and be special, and um, they don't want to be special for being the wrong kind of special. You know, right. so it's a it's this tension and blending in, and yet being exceptional. Um, I also think that we can't have this conversation without considering how we're training our clergy and how we're training. Um, our leaders. And so I want to thank you for this. You said the audience is not just youth leaders, it's it's ministry leaders, it's church leaders. Right. And I, I'm i wondering how quickly we can adapt. Uh, I want to thank you for doing it for your diocese, but I'm wondering how quickly we can adapt at the seminary level and across mm. all of our dioceses to talk to our, our clergy and our leadership about the, ch- the change. We are no longer, are the professors that are leading our future you know, clergy, our seminarians, are they teaching from what they knew and what had been written in yeah. scholarship? Or are they teaching from boots on the ground what is actually happening now? Mm. Um, I'm sure some of them are, but are, how quickly can we adapt to start yeah. looking at what they really need to know regarding mental health, what they really need to know about their own mental health? I read a terrifying study about the connection between church attendance and clergy mental health, and then w- looking at the pandemic and the numbers that went down in church you know, of attendance, how is that drastically affecting the mental health of our clergy? I do think that being able to recognize signs, being able to recognize triggers, not just in their youth, but also in themselves and in their community and how to um, find their value and their worth in things that are not dependent upon what other people are opinion, what their opinions are of you. I think those things matter. And I would hope that um, more bishops are following suit, and and our seminaries are adjusting, and we're getting into this now. Yes, yeah, that's really helpful, really important. Um, as our time draws to uh, a close here, um, I just wonder we we could talk for hours and hours about this stuff, and you know, uh, rattle all the cages and and try to figure this all out. But as our time draws to a close. Um, uh, Aaron, I wonder if you could start us off. I, I just want to ask each of you, you too, Bishop Todd, like, is there anything like, as we've been talking that you feel like, you know, this hasn't been said yet. And I, I want to make sure that people hear this, um, this, this final thought, you know, or, or question or resource that I want to throw out there. So Aaron, why don't you start? What's a final word that you'd want to give us? Um, I, th- I think there are a lot of things, Ben. I mean, he named that. So, so I, I love that you limited me to one. Thank you for that. That's a gift. Um, You're <laughs> Just doing my job. There you go. There you go. I, I think for 
our for our youth workers and for our rectors. Um, it's going to be very important. It's going to be perhaps necessary for the way our church steps into the next twenty years hmm. is to begin um, reframing um, the importance and the value of young people uh, as active participants in the life of the church for a lot of reasons, but one of them is because adolescence is the most sustained um, and commonly experienced um, period of liminality in a life that all of us have, hmm. where we, we go from having, having a, most of our situations, everything that we need is being provided for us as children. And we step into this, this space of adolescence where we're learning that that is not always going to be the case. Right. And that our identity and our sense of belonging and our understanding of purpose, those are things that we have a role in shaping and stepping into and articulating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that there will come a time when we, we as people will step into society and community and culture where we will be in some way, largely independent. So right. this, this window, this, this liminal window that we call adolescence is massive. Yeah. Uh, the, um, a Pine Top Foundation did a study concluded in 2017, I think, that said that um, every year over a million young people leave the church. Wow. And, and I'm pretty sure that's because as churches, we might not take the liminal space of adolescence seriously. And if we're not taking them seriously, they're probably not going to take our gospel seriously. Mm. And, and so as we talk about mental and emotional health, one of the biggest pieces that we know is that when people feel seen and heard, when people feel honored and, and welcomed into presence, they're going to begin engaging in healthier practices healthier choices that result in a, a, a more revitalized and abundant life. And, and I think for us, we have to start stepping boldly into, not just in our student ministries, mm-hmm. but across our whole church, how are we leaning fully in to this liminal space as a space of learning for us, as a place of mission for us, as a place of seeing the kingdom coming forth? Mm-hmm. Um, that. That, that is huge for us, I think. Yeah. So rather than just say like, oh, yeah, teenagers are crazy. They'll, <laughs> they'll be all right when, they're tw- when they turn 25. Uh, instead of sort of dismissing them and, hey, teenagers will be teenagers, instead just saying like, actually, this is a really important time in their life and it's important for us to be present uh, in, a, in a really intentional way. Yes. Really and that, that in this season of their life, we probably have much to learn from them. Because we live, a yeah. fic- we live a fiction as adults that we're not in a liminal space. Yeah. We live as if we've got it all figured out. And the pandemic has revealed that. That's why stress yeah. and anxiety in adults yeah. went way up. Yeah. We were like, wait a minute, we thought we were squared away. Mm. Um, and so to be able to learn that in, with, along with our adolescents um, that are in our churches, uh, that, that matters. And then doing that alongside the young people that are not in our churches. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you. So Jessica, I'll, <clears throat> I'll oh, go yeah, next, go ahead, Ben, because yeah. I want to give Jessica the last word and, right, and she might, she might want to comment on what I'm saying. Okay. So for me, Ben, two big thoughts, um, are rattling around in my brain. Um, 
The one is that we talked about early on, um, just how negative or scary or concerning it is that the future seems impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just sit with that one thought for a minute, just like what what would that do to the human soul and to our psyche and to our mental processes that if the future really did seem impossible, that seems like a really big deal to me. Mm-hmm. And the second one, and I don't want to put words in Jessica's mouth, but that that phrase of so many young people think that they're the sum of the narratives, you know, they tell themselves and and the feeling that there is no sort of grand narrative outside of me in which I could find, I could find the self that I was created to be. I have to sort of create a self. And again, I don't want to put words in um, Jessica's mouth, but uh, so I guess if it were me, <clears throat> just on sort of a high level conceptual basis, I would love to see every CFRSO church and everybody else here listening that maybe a place to start is just to ask the question, how do I become an agent of healing and hope? Hmm. Uh, Those are the two things that stick out to me today, the need for healing and the need for hope. So that some vision casting as you know, Aaron has said several times around living our lives in the kingdom um, you know, maybe that can start chipping away at, at a possible future. Yeah. Maybe it starts to give somebody a narrative that they're invited to live into. Mm. Um, and then I, you know, this feels sort of dopey, but it, honestly, if I were a youth pastor, I would actually be thinking this, this question kind of 24 seven is, uh, and I'll put it in sort of spiritual formation forms to young people. I wonder what the invitation from Jesus is here. Mm. Like if the future seems impossible, I wonder what the invitation from Jesus would be there to just begin to take the first baby steps in dealing with that. Yeah. And and if you're losing a sense of a self, um, I wonder what the invitation for Jesus to be there. And then I would just want to try to become a bearer of that invitation. Mm. So I'm sure I'm sure that's not the only way of looking at it, but it's it's what I, as I said is rattling around in my brain listening to these guys. Yes. Jessica, did I butcher what you were trying to say with narrative and we'll give you the last word? (laughs) No, you said it beautifully. I think that's absolutely true. I think the answer to the question is for for me is three, threefold. First, we have a number of resources that I know that you, Ben, are going to make available to people. So we'll put those on there. Um, Those are some tangible ways that you can start having these conversations in your churches. Second, uh, what you were saying about narrative, I think it's absolutely right. And that we have to identify for them. We have to help them identify that there is a a broader narrative. There's God's narrative and that we are part of that story. And so I think in order to do that, we actually have to sit and listen and coax the student Mm. to tell their story Mm. and, and then pick up on the nuances of what they're saying and what is smoke versus fire. You know, when they're talking about something that is really smoke, if you can get them to identify the fire the narrative that they have that they actually believe and then begin to shift that narrative to how God sees them, to how God's purpose, what God's purposes are, to what our higher calling might be to those kinds and begin to shift that. But you have to get them to say what they're, what they're telling themselves. You have to hear. And that goes back to what Aaron was talking about being present and really understanding their story. So we can't shift their narrative if we don't first listen and understand what it is that they're really dealing with. What is the fire that they're really dealing with? Uh, And then the third 
is having conversation in the church. And I think it would be really interesting, Bishop Todd, if the two things that you just mentioned, both um, being an agent, but also the invitation, what an agent of healing um, mm-hmm. and hope in the church, and then Jesus, what is Jesus inviting of me to do in this yeah. season? What if every single person listening were to go and have that question at, tossed around in their leadership team at their church? Like, what does it look like for our church to be agents of healing and hope? What does it look like? What What is Jesus asking of us? What is the invitation here in this season, as well as themselves, you know, a both and, but I think that would, that would be a really interesting conversation yeah. for the entire church to sort of wrestle with that among the leadership. And it goes back to what we started with, with open the door to the conversation, talk about mental health, talk about anxiety, talk about next you know, in the church at all levels um, for the adults who are being discipled as well as, as the students and our, and our leaders. Wonderful. Well, um, this has been, again, we could go on for hours and hours. This has been so helpful. Um, Jessica, you mentioned some resources. Um, I'll get links to that stuff. I'll put it in the show notes. So if you are interested in kind of uh, some of these practical resources, just check the, uh, the show notes for this episode, um, you go to the C4SO website, uh, the, the links will all be there as well uh, under the podcast page. Um, don't forget about our conversation series for Next Gen Leaders, as well as our family and children's ministry uh, network. Uh, the links to all of that in the show notes as well. Again, this has been a super helpful conversation, and I'm really grateful, uh, Jessica and Aaron, for you guys spending some time with us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, you guys. I'm, I'm grateful for you guys for having it and, and Bishop Todd leading the way in that. Thanks for yes. for the way that you value our young people. Yeah. All right. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.